1: happy to be with you today. We're excited to be here. We always are excited about the topics that we're going to talk about. And the one that we want to tackle when it comes to preserving families, strengthening and fortifying our families is the topic of identity. Such a huge topic today. You know, particularly among our youth, identity is so crucial. You know, the world talks a lot about self-esteem, but really, in our minds, the Lord's plan is identity. It's to teach our youth who they are and what they can do, what their purpose is in life, what their gifts and talents are. And Satan is attacking that. In fact, in the, in the uh, it, it was the October 2015 General Conference. And Elder Bradley Foster said that we are engaged in a battle with the world. And in the past, the world competed for our children's energy and time. But today it fights for their identity and mind. And many loud and prominent voices are trying to define who our children are and what they should believe. We cannot let society give our family a makeover in the image of the world. We must win this battle. Everything depends on it. And when he, ta- when he says everything depends on it, you know, you feel the weight of how crucial this battle for identity is. And it's going on right now.
2: Yeah. And I think President Nelson, if you listen closely to his last several talks, that's a drum he is really beating is identity, knowing who you are, knowing that you're a child of God, a child of the covenant, a disciple of Christ. We've heard that, which we're going to talk about that a little little bit later, but... That he's
1: definitely, definitely teaching that principle. So it's a real focus point, isn't it? A real focal point for him. That reminds me of something that he said years ago in a training meeting with general authorities. And I only have this because Elder Tad Callister talked about it, but he, you know, he just made the point when they, when they talk about, uh, what do you do with those who struggle and whether it's with pornography or whatever their challenges are in this particular training meeting, it was pornography. How do we help those struggling with pornography? President Nelson said, teach them their identity and their purpose. And I think we could apply that to almost anything. You know, what do you do with anyone who struggles with anything? All of us need to know our identity and purpose. Just like you talked about in this last conference, his Think Celestial
2: talk, the whole talk was on getting an eternal perspective, an eternal view. And once that we know that, you know, once we know that we are literal children of God... I mean, we're unstoppable and that we have a purpose and what our divine plan is. And once we know that and once our youth really know that and believe that, that's just, you know, again, there's nothing that they can't do. But I think this has to start as our children are tiny when they can first understand anything. And I love that the first song that we sing our children is I'm a child of God. You know, that's, that's almost become a lullaby. I know (laughs) our daughters sing that to our our kids, our grandkids every night, you know, when they go to bed and it's, I love that that's a principle that our children learn from the time that they can even begin to understand anything.
1: We're telling them who they are. Right.
2: And I remember when I served in the youth program for years that that, you know, anytime you opening exercises or anything, the first song they want to sing is, you know, I'm a child of God. And at the time it used to bug me. I was like, oh, do you guys know any other song besides <laughs> that? Or, you know, maybe it was that's because that's all they could play on the piano. I don't know. But I just was the, always the go to. Yes. And but the more that I've thought about it, I thought, oh, you know, I just thought, wow, what a, if any song or any hymn that the youth could be singing, I'm a child of God is probably the most powerful, impactful song but like President Nelson talked about in one of his talks, that he's afraid that it's become almost kind of rote, that we don't realize, we don't hear the words that we're singing or we don't really understand the meaning behind them. Because mm-hmm. when you say, I am a child of God and he has sent me here, I mean, how powerful are those words when you really understand that, when you understand that you are a child of God and he sent you, which means you were created before you came to come to this earth for a purpose and we that's our job is to find that purpose. And if you know that and our children grow up believing that, I mean, I can you imagine the how the difference that that makes in their lives versus floundering and listening to the words of the adversary and all the worldly voices around us that are trying to convince our kids and you know, and like you just said, steal their identity and their mind and their their hearts. and if but if they knew who they were and whose they were and why they are here, I think it makes all the difference.
1: <laughs> Talk about self-worth, you know, and, and moving forward every day with confidence. And I think, you know, Janie, one of the things I've often thought of is that I'm a child of God. That concept is so great. It's so powerful. But for me, what's even been one step beyond that is knowing that we we do have a purpose, that we're here on this earth life at this particular time in this very place for a reason, and that he has also given us gifts and talents to accomplish our mission our divine mission of you know why we're here there's there's great purpose of why we're on this earth and I think one of the fundamental jobs that every parent has is to help their children figure that out I mean that's what we have to do is you know parents we should be praying and asking for guidance but we have to equip our children and help them understand what their divine mission is, what their purpose is, what their gifts and talents are. And it's not always easy. We've talked about that before together, that for some of our children, that was really easy to detect what some of those gifts and talents were. And others, it it took a little bit longer to figure it out, but it doesn't matter. Now, as they operate with those talents and those gifts, and now as adults, they're powerful people.
2: Yeah, and knowing that they are made in the being of our Heavenly Father and Mother, right? That they are children of a divine God, an all-powerful, loving, merciful God and goddess. That they, Yeah, and then finding their gifts and talents, that they are literally unstoppable.
1: Yeah. Powerful beings. Do, yeah, He can do great things with them when they come to know that. That's for sure.
2: Mark, that reminds me of a talk that Bonnie Corden gave. Um, I think it was in General Conference about when she got called to be the general Young Women's president and when she went to meet with President Nelson and, and he kind of told her this.
1: And here's what she said.
0: I recently received a letter from an inquisitive young woman. She wrote, I'm stuck. I'm not sure who I am, but I feel I'm here for something grand. Have you ever had that searching feeling? Wondering if Heavenly Father knows who you are And if he needs you, my dear youth and to all, I testify the answer is yes. The Lord has a plan for you. He has prepared you for this day right now to be a strength and a force for good in his mighty work. We need you. It simply will not be as grand without you. Under sacred circumstances, our beloved prophet, President Russell M. Nelson, once reminded me of two simple truths that are foundational to our grand and glorious work. Sitting on the couch with my husband, our prophet pulled his chair over, almost knee to knee with us, and looked at me with his piercing blue eyes. I wasn't sure if my heart was racing or had completely stopped as he called me to serve as the Young Woman General President. He asked a question that still echoes in my heart. Bonnie, what's the most important thing the youth need to know? I pondered for a moment and said, they need to know who they are. Yes, he exclaimed, and they need to know their purpose.
2: What a powerful message. And as we study President Nelson's messages since he's been the prophet, that is his most important message to the youth, to the young single adults, and to all of us <laughs> as a prophet. Right. That we need to know our identity and know our purpose so that we as parents, that is, needs to become our main focal job, right? To teach our children, to teach our grandchildren who they are and what their purpose is.
1: Right. I love that. You know, Janie, this is really interesting. There's so many, what I would say, concepts and principles in the gospel that correlate or at least correspond with what child development, you know, child developmentalists, let's say, or psychologists or.
2: Academia. Yeah,
1: academics, you know, if you want to go there. But, you know, just like there are psychologists and child psychologists specifically that will tell you that children become accountable for their actions Between somewhere between the ages of seven to nine, you know, I think that's really interesting. Uh, We know that here's here's one maybe where the Lord has more of a sense of humor. But if you if you studied, you would find that there are uh, medical doctors that believe that young men are at the peak of their sexual drive when they're like 19, 20, 21. And what do we do in the church? We send them to Siberia on a mission, right? Or <laughs> something like that. But here it is right here. It's it, When I was in graduate school, my mentor uh, that helped me out, my department chair, Dr. Randy Jones, was so wonderful. He was a really big Eric Erickson fan. You know, Erickson has these stages of psychological development. And I'll just mention one of them. But he says, Erickson talks about the idea He calls these all kind of a crisis, you know, that there's a crisis to navigate at every stage of life. And in adolescence, and he identifies that as as ages 12 to 18 years of age, that identity versus role confusion is the crisis that we as teenagers, you know, at that stage of our life, we are trying to navigate our identity. We're trying to figure out who we are. And I just believe that wholeheartedly that that at that stage of life and I know for myself I can look back when I was a teenager and and yes that was a crucial part for me of my upbringing was as I was trying to discover who I was in fact that I think that question really led me right into the church you know so to speak which was a great blessing in my life but it was in the gospel of Jesus Christ that I started to learn about who I was and, I, and hopefully we've done the same As we try to teach our children who they are. So all this to say, everyone, we hope you enjoyed our introduction. This is our introduction. So we're ready to rock and roll now. But yeah, that's this is this this topic is heavy on our mind, especially as our oldest grandson is eleven years old, twelve years old now, and and heading into this stage of life, it's just it's on our minds. And I just
2: I think, you know, like you mentioned how that was difficult for you, you know, Mm -hmm. in your growing up to figure that out. and But I just think today what our youth and teenagers are going through with, we didn't even have social media back there, (laughs) you know, back then when we were trying to navigate that, when we were trying to figure out who we are. And now they have so many voices trying to convince them that they are not enough, that they have to be this way, that they have to dress this way, that they have to act this way, that there's a million different genders, that there's a million different sexes, that there's a different you know that they have to have these attitudes, these beliefs and I can't even begin to under feel the stress that they're under.
1: Janie, that's so awesome what you just said because I never really thought about that before, but yeah, when we were teenagers, there wasn't really any opposition to who we were identity-wise. It was just more of discovering that for yourself of who you are. But today there's opposition.
2: Yeah. To this. Yeah, we just heard a story about one of our teenage friends who was sitting in a group of friends, I think at lunch or something in high school and and somebody started going around the table or the circle one, one of the students, right? Yeah, and just said, "So what are you?" And what are you, and, you know, and they would reply with I'm whatever gender they deem themselves or whatever. And yeah. and when they got to her, she said, "I'm heterosexual. I like boys." And they said, oh, "Well, how do you know that?" And right. she said, Uh, that I just know that. And they said, well, you can't know that unless you experiment with other things. You can't know that. And, and they just were really putting the pressure on her. And it just broke my heart that how strong she was to withstand that, but also the pressure that these kids must feel on a daily basis in this world that they're growing up in.
1: Yeah. I can't even comprehend that pressure. So, all right. So let's do this. I think, you know, I'm going to quote Joseph Smith for a minute, that if men do not you know, comprehend the character of God, they do not comprehend themselves. Or in other words, how would we ever understand who we are? How would we understand our own identity if we don't even know who God is? And I can honestly tell everyone who's listening today that when I was a teenager and attending other churches and would ask the questions of, okay, who's God? And then when I'm being told things like, well, he's a spirit. Well, we can't, we actually don't know, or we can't comprehend it. He can fit in your heart. He can dwell in the universe, um, but we really don't know much about God, and, and hopefully one day we'll figure that out. That was not helpful to me at all, and I think it, it in a small way, explains some of the confusion I was experiencing, because I did not comprehend God at all, and therefore I I had a really hard time compre- comprehending and figuring it out myself.
2: Yeah, that, that that's awesome. I love in President Nelson's talk, Choices for Eternity, that he has this incredible footnote when he's talking about identity.
1: His footnotes are pretty awesome sermons, aren't they? Yeah.
2: His, yeah, like we always say that his footnotes are just as incredible as the talks. Right. <laughs> but in this footnote, he makes this incredible point that it says, the Lord, when the Savior appeared to the people in 3rd Nephi in the Book of Mormon and identified himself, you know, he said, I am jesus christ whom the prophets testified shall come into the world and behold i am the light and the life of the world i have drunk out of that bitter cup which the father hath given me and have glorified the father and taken upon me the sins of the world in the which i have suffered the will of the father in all things from the beginning and i love that he ta- he t- teaches us who he is and then also what his purpose was and that he completed
1: that in like one verse that's incredible
2: but then the next cool thing that President Nelson points out is that he then teaches the people what their identity is. So in verse, in 3 Nephi 20, he says, but behold, ye are the children of the prophets, and ye are the house of Israel, and ye are of the covenant, which the father made with your fathers, saying unto Abraham, and, and, all, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed." So he Mm. teaches them right there his own identity, but then turns around and teaches them their identity, which I've never noticed that. And I just thought that was so powerful. And as I got thinking about that, I realized also when he saw Moses, you know, in the Pearl of Great Price, and he calls him Moses, my son, he's teaching him his identity. When he, they appear to Joseph Smith in the Grove, they call Joseph by name, you know, and then tell him, you know, what they expect of him. And, and it's just such an amazing principle of the gospel when we understand that we are children of God, that we are children of the covenant and disciples of Christ, and that Heavenly Father does have a plan for us.
1: And I think I that was that. just
2: so incredible, such a great teaching from President Nelson.
1: That is so great. In that
2: little tiny footnote. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, just one footnote. It's so power packed. So, so here's here's a thought along these lines as we thought as we kind of think about teaching our youth their identity and once again staying with this concept that we have to know God first in order to understand who we are. I'm going to quote Joseph Smith for a minute. He said it's the first principle of the gospel to know for a certainty the character of God and I want you all to know him and to be familiar with him. And then later he said that we must have a correct idea of his perfections and attributes and of the excellency of his character. That's from the lectures on faith. Well, many people don't. That's been my experience: is that most people don't understand the character and the nature of God. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we we do that we have we understand that better than anyone else. Not at all. But I'm just surprised how few members really believe in our Heavenly Father's incredible personality. You know, his character traits, his love, and his mercy and his compassion. So here's an example. A few years ago, I'm in my counseling office. I'm dealing with a 16-year-old young man who's struggling with an addiction. And every week when he comes in, the first thing I ask him is, okay, how are you doing? And uh, usually he gives a little report. But on this occasion, he just felt like he was not progressing at all. And when I said, how are you doing? And how's it been going? He just started to cry. And then he said this. He said, I just know that God hates me. And I said, okay, let's take a time out. Let's forget about the addiction today. Let's talk about God for a while. And we did because I wanted him to know that God does not hate you. That I promise if Heavenly Father were here and he walked into this room, he would actually put his arm around you and he probably would tell you how proud he is of you. And he would give you encouragement and he would give you hope. He would lift you. Yeah, and
2: he would make him feel loved and known and seen and... Encourage him to repent and try harder. There would be no um, disappointment or anger or anything on the on the part of Heavenly Father. He Not would just all. love him one hundred percent.
1: Yeah, I agree. And so, from the lectures on faith, there's a few. This is the third lecture, uh, but Joseph talks about that our Heavenly Father is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abundant in goodness. He is from everlasting, and he was so from everlasting to everlasting that he doesn't change, that he is a God of truth and can't lie, that he is love. You know, if there's one definition of God in my mind, God is love. You know, we hear that a lot in the New Testament, especially in the book of John. But I always believe that if Heavenly Father walked into a room and there were many of us sitting there, that I think the love would be so powerful. First of all, we would feel it before he even entered the room. But second, it would probably just level us to the ground. I mean, the love would be so incomprehensible if that's even a way to explain it. Now, here's what Joseph said um, as he talked more about his mercy and his graciousness and his kindness, his forgiving disposition, that an acquaintance with these attributes is essential in order for us to have faith in him. Or in other words, How do you have faith in a God that you don't understand? How do you have faith in God who's invisible, who dwells in our heart in the universe that we don't comprehend? And Joseph says, no, no. If you can comprehend his character, his attributes, then you can center your faith in him. And that just resonates with me. I can totally exercise faith in a God who is kind, who is loving, who's compassionate, who's merciful, who's happy, who's hopeful, who's optimistic, who's encouraging. I I often visualize our Heavenly Father as a sage, wise, happy, grandfatherly-like mentor who just puts his arm around us and loves us and points the right way for us. You know, one of the great visions that we have a record of comes from Melvin J. Ballard. Who is he? He's the grandfather of our Elder M. Russell Ballard. In fact, M. Russell Ballard is Melvin Russell Ballard. He's named after his grandfather. But anyway, uh, you know, Elder Ballard, Melvin J was on the Fort Peck Indian Reservation in Montana. They're having some struggles on their mission among the, the Indians slash the Lamanites is what they call them sometimes. They did not have a handbook, and he uh, goes to bed one night and just uh, Melvin J Ballard had the great gift to have dreams. You know that was part of his life, and he had this vivid dream, and in that dream. He was actually in the Salt Lake Temple with apostles, and he has this dream of the Savior. And he's told that he's going to have an opportunity to meet him. And he said, I saw seated on a raised platform the most glorious being I've ever conceived of, and it was taken forward to be introduced to him. Now, part of the idea of sharing this with everyone is to kind of put yourself in this situation. And as I approached, he smiled, called my name, and stretched out his hand towards me. And if I live to be a million years old, I will never forget that smile. He put his arms around me and kissed me and took me into his bosom and he blessed me until my whole being was thrilled. Now, there's a lot more to that story. But could you imagine Christ coming towards us or Heavenly Father? They're inter- interchangeable in a sense in this case as we share this, this story and you know, point to both of their attributes. But to have Christ coming towards you, stretching out his hand towards you, And calling you by name. I mean, that's just, this is one of the most miraculous experiences that we can even talk about in this life. Is that Christ, that Heavenly Father, know us. And they know us and they smile when they think about us.
2: Another trait of the Savior and our Heavenly Father that I love. I love, it's... Mentioned in um, President J. Reuben Clark's quote that it says, I feel that the Savior will give that punishment, which is the very least that our transgression will justify. I believe that he will bring into his justice all of the infinite love and blessing and mercy and kindness and understanding which he has. And on the other hand, I believe that when it comes to making the rewards for our good conduct, he will give us the maximum that is possible to give, having in mind the offense which we have committed.
1: Wow. I love that
2: graceful and merciful they are (laughs) in every
1: situation. Yeah. You know, that's a really cool statement. In fact, I don't know if I've ever been involved as a priesthood leader in a disciplinary council over the last 20 years where we haven't started by reading that statement, because I think it's, it's so powerful. Here's another one from Elder Holland. And by the way, these are just, just concepts and doctrines taught by our church leaders that help us to understand the nature of God just a little bit better. But Here's Elder Holland that just because God is God and just because Christ is Christ, they cannot do other than care for us and bless us and help us. But don't you love that? He's, in fact, he says they can't help but bless us. They have to. It's their nature. But don't you love that? I mean, part of that that's their identity. Their identity is helping us and healing us and, and caring for us.
2: And what would, what would happen if our children and our youth and our young single adults knew this? And believe this, that they worshiped a God who loved them unconditionally, that was there for them in every moment of highs and lows and sweet and bitter. I mean, what what would that do for our youth and our children to know that? To me, that is so powerful.
1: Well, I think it would it changes lives. So now let's transition, though. I mean, this is great. Let's transition now into the identity of our youth for a minute or us as adults. And I'm going to share with you this great statement from Lorenzo Snow. Think about this for a minute, but he said, in our spiritual birth, our father transmitted to us the capacities, the powers, the faculties which he possessed as much so as the child on its mother's bosom possesses, although in an undeveloped state, the faculties, powers, and susceptibilities of its parent. Now, a lot of you in the mission field may have quoted Doctrine and Covenants section four. And if you were like me, you may not know what you were quoting where we learn about and faith, hope, charity, and love with an eye single to the glory of God qualify us for the work. Remember faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, brotherly kindness, godliness, charity, humility, diligence. I never knew as a missionary that we were quoting the divine nature that we were describing who our heavenly father is. But go back to Lorenzo Snow, that our father transmitted to us the capabilities, powers, and faculties that he possessed every attribute that he has, has been transmitted to us. It's in there. It's there. And this reminds me of another statement by James E. Talmage years ago, where he said that Latter-day Saints have the mistaken notion that one day, you know, they're going to go into a room, let's say, after the judgment, and someone's going to lay hands on our heads and ordain us to be a god or a goddess. But then he said, actually, everything that you need to be a god or goddess is in you right now. It's all there. And so part of our responsibility, I think, as parents is now to help our youth to understand their identity, who they are, what their purpose is, but to also identify those divine attributes in them that we see in them as parents. You know, Mark,
2: I think the church is trying to do everything they can, too. I love how the young men and young women in their quorums and classes on Sundays stand up and say the themes. You know, the young women say... I am a beloved daughter of heavenly parents with a divine nature and an eternal destiny. And then the young men say, I am a beloved son of God, and he has a work for me to do. I mean, how beautiful are those? And I hope that's resonating with our youth. I hope that as they say that each Sunday, that they believe that and that that, that penetrates their heart. Yes. Um, President Dieter F. Uchtdorf said, Much of the confusion we experience in this life comes from simply not understanding who we are. Too many go about their lives thinking that they are of little worth, when in reality they are elegant and eternal creatures of infinite value with potential beyond imagination. Our destiny is greater than we can imagine. If only we understood who we are and what is in store for us, our hearts would overflow with such gratitude and happiness that it would enlighten even the darkest sorrows with the light and love of God, our Heavenly Father. So So powerful. I can just hear him saying that (laughs) in his beautiful accent.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I agree, right? I think both of us would agree that most of the confusion that we experience comes from not knowing who we are. I think that's why our prophet is telling us that whatever the challenge in your life, what's your identity? Who are you, right? And so here we are in Moses chapter 1. Why? Because Satan loves to mess up identity. That's one of his favorite things to do. In verse 1 of Moses 1, we learn that they're on an exceeding high mountain. We often equate that with like a temple experience. And in verse 2, Moses sees the Lord face to face and talks with him. And in verse 3, God speaks to Moses and says, First of all, I am the Lord God Almighty, and endless is my name. Now this is that pattern We've identified today already that the first thing in the sequence, we have to know who he is first. And in this case, the Lord God Almighty and endless is my name. But then in the sequence, second, he's going to tell us who we are. And in verse four, and Moses, thou art my son, he says, or in, many, in, our, in some cases, are thou art my daughter. If he's speaking to some of you. And then in verse 6, and I have a work for you to do. Now we get into purpose, right? There's the pattern. Heavenly Father tells us who he is, tells us who we are, and then here's your purpose, right? And he talks about that. I have a work for you to do. Now, I've heard someone say before, could you think of anything that Moses couldn't do knowing those three great truths? You know, that number one, I am God. Number two, you are my son. And number three, I have a work for you to do. Now the next few verses in that chapter are wonderful, but we're going to skip right to verse 12 and verse 13, because what often happens after, if you can imagine, one of the most spiritual experiences in the life of Moses is that Satan shows up. In verse 12, Satan shows up tempting him and says, Moses, now watch this, it's subtle, son of man, worship me. It's almost humorous how direct Satan is. He was, Moses was just told, literally, you are my son, that you are a son of God. And now here's Satan saying, oh, no, you're not. You're just a son of man and worship me. Now, I'm not sure how any of us would act if we were in a face-to-face dialogue with Satan like this, but I have to respect Moses quite a bit in verse 13, where he just looks at Satan and says, well, wait a minute, who are you? I'm a son of God. See, he knows who he is. He knows his identity. In the similitude of his only begotten, capital O, capital B. And where is thy glory? And why in the world would I worship you? Okay. But once again, the idea here is is that Satan will attack identity. He is all about that. And he's doing it, he's doing it in ways today that we never, ever imagined. I love that, Mark. And I think it just
2: goes back to what President Nelson just taught us in conference about think celestial. Yeah. Think who you are. Get to know who you are. And again, this I can't recommend this talk enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have I loved love this talk. And we need to teach our children. We need to go over it with our kids over and over and talk about the principles because he teaches us that the plan, the the plan of happiness is a fabulous plan. And I love that he says that like three or four times in this talk. It's a fabulous plan. Because if we know who we are, if we know where we're going, if we know where we came from, that it changes our whole perspective. It, it gives us this celestial perspective. Right. And he keeps saying over and over, you know, as our youth and our children, if you are confronted with a dilemma, think celestial. Which means think about who you are, where you came from, where you're going. When tempted, when tested by temptation, think celestial. I mean, can you imagine if our kids actually stopped and before they made choices and thought celestial, you know, when life or loved ones let you down, think celestial when someone dies prematurely, think celestial when someone lingers with a devastating illness, think celestial when the pressures of life crowd in upon you, think celestial as you recover from an accident or injury, as I am doing, he said, (laughs) think celestial
1: Right, And I mean, I just it. like
2: like Moses knew who he was. He knew what his plan and purpose in life. And if our children could think celestial and know who they were, oh my gosh, life-changing. Yeah, I... And life-changing for all of us. I mean, to me, this has opened up a whole new perspective. And
1: <laughs> Yeah, for adults, for grandparents, for children, for all of us. I agree. And so let me share this with you just for a second. You know, when, when we start to wonder, okay, parents, what are our tools? How are we going to help... Our youth know who we are. And we will make this offering. We've made it before. We'll make it again. But if you would like us to, if you would email us at preservingfamiliespodcast at gmail.com. That's preservingfamiliespodcast at gmail. And we can send you a collection of some of these statements that we have. But here's one. In this context, think of this. What is the greatest problem or at least a top five problem facing our youth today? And we could list a whole bunch of different things, right? But I'm going to say one of them for sure. And I see it in my counseling practice all the time. They are fearful. They are worried. They're afraid. They're filled with anxiety. Now, in that context, listen to this great statement from George Buchanan. God reserves spirits for this dispensation. Who would have the courage and determination to face the world And all the powers of the evil one and who would build up the Zion of our God, fearless of all consequences. What is George Buchanan saying? He's telling our youth today that, oh, no, no, here's who you really are. You are full of faith. You are courageous. And you are going to build up the Zion of our God. And you are going to face these problems head on in the face of some serious headwinds. But you've got this. You can do it. Because you're a courageous group of people.
2: Yeah. And another one that we grew up hearing right. was the one from the famous quote from President Benson, where he said, for nearly 6,000 years, God has held you in reserve to make your appearance in the final days before the second coming of the Lord. While our generation will be comparable to wickedness in the days of Noah, when the Lord cleansed the earth by flood, there is a major difference this time. It is that God has saved for the final inning some of his strongest children who will help bear off the kingdom triumphantly, and that is where you come in, for you are the generation that must be prepared to meet your God. All through the ages, the prophets have looked down through the corridors of time to our day. Billions of the deceased and those yet to be born have their eyes on us. Make no mistake about it, you are a marked generation." There has never been more expected of the faithful in such a short period of time as there is of us. Never before on the face of this earth have the forces of evil and the forces of good been as well organized. Now is the great day of the devil's power with the greatest mass murderers of all time living living among us. But now is also the great day of the Lord's power with the greatest number ever of priesthood holders on the earth, and the showdown is fast approaching.
1: <laughs> It's interesting, said that when? What was that? That was in
2: 1979, 80. 79, yeah. But, you know, and and so to our generation, you know, that was a super powerful quote.
1: Right. And now here we are as grandparents now. Right.
2: And sometimes I think, well, why... You know, now they're telling this generation the same thing. (laughs) But I think, you know, that we had to know this so that we could now be the grandparents and parents of this next generation. And then they will hear this as the next generation to raise their children and hopefully give them this foundation. Also, that as we every day draw closer to the second coming, that we all you know, are faithful and stalwart. And the Lord has all saved us for such a time as this to prepare for the second coming.
1: Yeah. You know, Sherry do, you know, likened it to that we're the last runners in the relay race, you know, and uh, I like that as well. So here would be our suggestions, our recommendations on teaching your children about their identity. We're not saying this is an all encompassing list. This is just some of our ideas and there's probably a hundred more that are even better, but We'll start with this. Number one, we teach our children that Heavenly Father knows them by name. And Janie, what you like to say I mean, that not there's just, a little bit more to that than just right. that, right? And of course, he knows them by
2: name, but I like to say, but he knows everything about them. If he walked into the room, yes, he would call them by name, but he would also know their feelings, their thoughts, their intents, what's going on in their life. Their, he would know everything about them. And that's what I lo- one of the things I love about the Savior.
1: Yeah, I love that too. And I agree. I agree. Number two, he would teach them about their spiritual heritage and identity, which is what we've been talking about today. You know, this great spiritual sense of children of God, uh, children of the covenant, those type of things. and. One of the things, too, is we need to teach our children about
2: their earthly heritage, about who they're connected to, that they're connected to a family, that they're connected to ancestors. We could talk about stories of our in our own families of heroes and heroines that have done incredible things so that they feel power from that in connection to their immediate family, to their extended family, that they belong. I remember we had a um, family reunion several years ago before my dad passed away, and he passed out he had this big huge ball of yellow twa- of yellow yarn right and he held the ball and and had ever, or he held the end and had everyone pass this string around and everyone held on to it and it went all the way around the entire circle of you know all of us all the way back to him and he made a point that we are all connected and that we all need to love and help and serve and be there and cheer each other on that we are we are part of a tribe we're part of a family we're part of this Great connection. Team. and I love yeah. how last was it last week when you interviewed Dave McCann and he talked mm. about how incredibly strong their family ties are. and I love that. I mean, that's just a great example of that. And anyway, he then we took scissors, and every one of us got a little piece of this yarn that we save, you know, that we have saved. and that was just a a, a great physical, tangible, tangible reminder, reminder yeah. that we all belong. and if our our children feel like they belong, I think that's a really powerful thing for
1: them. I do too. In and their I think, identity. I think Janie, this is also so great because here you are uh, a member of the church that's grown up in the church your whole life. Your, you know, your, your, your roots go all the way back to what Nauvoo <laughs> or somewhere <laughs> like that. But you have, you have these great ancestors in your life. And I'm sure that as you think of Christina McNeil and some of these other, you know, Henry Miller and remember <laughs> the Richards family and some of these People that that's got to do something for you, right? That there's got to be something in you that says, Wow, not in an egotistical way, but okay, if Christina McNeil could do what she did crossing the plains at age in the
2: Willie Hankart Company and losing all of her toes, <laughs> that wow, I can do hard things. I
1: can do hard things that blood runs through me, right? Mm-hmm. Now, for those of you that may identify with me who are as a convert to the church, not related to anyone, uh, famous. Or, you know, I shouldn't say famous. (laughs) I don't know if my ancestors were famous. (laughs) (laughs) But at least just anyone that, you know, we would know or not know. But just anyone who's a member of the church, I don't have that connection. But there are people in my life, a grandfather that had a huge impact, that was a role model to me in so many ways, Uh, a great-grandfather who was a hero to many people in Kansas City back in the early days of our century, who was... uh, uh, you know, willing to lay down his life as a policeman to defend the public, you know, in other words, there are people that we can think about and connect with in our own and we often don't have to go far. I mean sometimes it only has to go as far back as our as our parents, you know and and to look at some of the things that they've done. So this idea of number one, our heavenly Father knows us and everything about us. number two, connect our youth to their spiritual heritage. Number three, talk to them about their earthly heritage and those great role models. Who have gone before. Okay, what's a good number four?
2: Number four is helping our children prepare and receive their patriarchal blessing, because mm-hmm. the first they need to understand what it is and what it isn't. A lot of people think mm-hmm. it's just a, you know, oh, I want my patriarchal blessing so I can just see what my, you know, what's what's it's my not a fortune? Gonna... Yeah, <laughs> it's like fortune telling, mm-hmm. and it's not that. And that they have to live righteously in order to receive the blessings, of their patriarchal blessings, but. So we as parents can help them prepare for that, help them, encourage them to go meet with the bishop, to get their recommend and to go do that. Because with each of our eight children, that has been probably one of the most powerful days of our life with that child. Right. To help uh, to help them, you know, to see what these children really are and how Heavenly Father loves them and the gifts and talents that he has blessed them with. It's really an amazing experience an opportunity if you haven't done that as parents. So I know as when I was in high school, growing up in Houston, Texas, there weren't many members of the church around. And um, so when I received my patriarchal blessing, it was so powerful for me. It really gave me a perspective, that eternal perspective that President Nelson's talking about, that celestial perspective, that it helped me avoid temptation. It helped me choose wisely. It helped me choose good friends on days when I was discouraged or didn't get asked to homecoming or whatever that I knew that better things were waiting for me that I didn't have to give in or give up my standards because you know because those great promises yeah this was temporary high school was temporary and I knew that great things were coming and so my patriarchal blessing was a huge gift and a blessing to me
1: as I was growing up yeah no and that's a I love how you described that and how you talked about that with our own children. I would, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I still remember the day that our twin daughters received their patriarchal blessing the same day. Same day. And I, I think the patriarch even was surprised of what, what came out that was so different for both of them. And only us as parents, as we heard those words pronounced, knew that, oh man, if you only knew what you were talking about because you just nailed it. And uh, he was so happy. Remember, he had his picture taken with both <laughs> on the way out the door. But yeah, that was Well, it was just incredible. shows how
2: Heavenly Father knows us all so individually, even on days when our twin daughters, our identical twin mm. daughters, right. you know, who are very identical in almost every way, not just physically, but mm. they they share a lot. But the Heavenly Father also knew their individuality and the the things that did make them different. And it was such a huge blessing in, in our life to see that. Yeah,
1: and I'm sure it is in their lives still today. And then the last one,
2: um, let's constantly help our children identify their strengths and their gifts and their talents that heavenly father has blessed them with and help and lead them towards their purpose in life. And we might not know what that is at age two or six or 16 or even 18. I think that's something that we discover through our life. But I think we, as parents, like you talked about earlier, is we're constantly trying to give them opportunities to try new things, to develop new talents, new gifts, and, And even if their gifts aren't visible, sometimes, you know, we have children who have gifts of kindness, gifts of patience, gifts of, you know, those kind of things that we don't always see. Maybe we can help point that out to them and help them, you know, understand what those gifts and abilities are.
1: I remember constantly, I shouldn't say constantly, but as much as I could, pulling a child of ours to the side and saying, hey, you know what, I've noticed this about you that's really pretty awesome. I don't know if you know that, but to to be able to do what you do is great. And I still love even today as they're adults to pull them off to the side a little bit and say, you know what I've noticed you're really good at? And you want to light someone's fire? You want to watch a, a 35-year-old smile from ear to ear as for their, you know, old, old uh, chubby dad to put their <laughs> arm around them and say, you are incredible at this. I've noticed. And anyway, it's just it, that's our duty. I mean, I just feel strongly that that's part of our duty as parents to, to do that that we never stop being parents, that we're never too old to be parents and that for the remainder of our days until uh, as long as we're on this earth to help our children and even grandchildren see the gifts and talents that we see in them. What a great gift.
2: So as we end this conversation today about teaching our children identity, we couldn't come up with a better ending than President Nelson's talk to the young single adults a year ago last May. And it's called Choices for Eternity. And it's just so powerful on this topic that we just had to end with this.
3: First, know the truth about who you are. I believe that if the Lord were speaking to you directly tonight, the first thing he would make sure you understand is your true identity. My dear friends, you are literally spirit children of God. You have sung this truth since you learned the words to I am a child of God. But is that eternal truth imprinted on your heart? Has this truth rescued you when confronted with temptation? I fear that you may have heard this truth so often that it sounds more like a slogan than divine truth. And yet, the way you think about who you really are affects almost every decision you will ever make in 2006 when i married wendy i was in for several surprises most of them quite wonderful one of those surprises was the number of clothing items she owned that displayed a logo universities from which she graduated places she had traveled and so forth Whenever she wore one of those items, I teased her by saying, who are you advertising today? (laughs) She invited me to, to, to join in the fun. Labels can be fun and indicate your support for any number of positive things. Many labels will change for you with the passage of time. And not all labels are of equal value. But if any label replaces your most important identifiers, the results can be spiritually suffocating. For example, if I were to rank in order the designation set could be applied to me, I would say, first, I am a child of God. I'm a son of God. Then a son of the covenant. Then a disciple of Jesus Christ and a devoted member of his restored Church. Next would come my honored titles as a husband and father Then, apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. All other labels that have applied to me, such as medical doctor, surgeon, researcher, professor, lieutenant, captain, PhD, American, and so forth, would fall somewhere down the list. Now let us turn the question to you. Who are you? First and foremost, you are a child of God. Second, as a member of the church, you are a child of the covenant. And third, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ.
2: So we just love this talk by President Nelson, and we just encourage everyone to read it. (laughs) It's It's so powerful, yeah. Choices for Eternity, and he just goes on and on, but just encourages us that he says, simply saying that no identifier should displace, replace, or take priority over those three designations of our identity, which is child of God, child of the covenant, and disciple of Christ. And... Again, if we could even just spend a whole family home evening on each one of those teaching our families and children you know what why those are so important. That's right. but okay. so well,
1: so if we're gonna do let's do something today and there's a lot of things that we could pull out of this. But for me, you know one of my thoughts is, okay, number one for parents, if we haven't read our patriarchal blessings in a while, it would be a great time to do it, right? Pull it out, dust it off, <laughs> and look for what? Some of those, you were saying some yeah, of those Yeah, go purposes. through with a highlighter
2: if you haven't already done that. And go through and highlight, you know, what your identity is and how much Heavenly Father loves you and how many times he says that in there. And then take another color and identify your purposes. The some, the gifts and abilities that he promised has blessed you or things that he promises will happen in your life if you're faithful. And Yeah. I think, and then have faith in it and go forward and believe it.
1: Yeah, I love that. In fact, not long ago, I had the ability to look on our, you know, our, our, you know, LDS.org system for our stake, and recognize. I was really surprised how many adult members, even old members, uh, when I say older members, you know, like in their 80s or so, that did not have patriarchal blessings. And one of the things that we did in our stake is we pointed people to our patriarchs to say, "Go get your blessing." And. I, we had patriarchs reporting that I just gave a blessing to the oldest member I've ever given a blessing to, but mm. let's get those. It's never too late. And then part two to that would be though. Yeah. If we have children
2: that are teenagers or in that, you know, or young single adults who haven't received a patriarchal blessing, let's encourage them to go get it, to prepare, to study and, and go meet with their bishops and get their patriarchal blessing.
1: Yeah. Be, that would be a great blessing, so to speak in their life. So Hey, everyone, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, this is a topic that means a lot to us. We could probably talk about it for uh, for several more episodes if we wanted to, but suffice it for now for what we've shared. But uh, we hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. And if there's anyone that you know that could benefit from hearing what we've talked about today, feel free to share it with them.
2: Yes, remember that you are a child of God and that he loves you. <laughs> That's right. And knows you. and knows you. Have a great week.